Morning, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. Good. I see a lot of faces I don't recognize. I just want to introduce myself. My name is Jeremy. I am I have the privilege and the honor um, to be able to lead this beautiful church of beautiful people. Um, we're so glad that you guys are here. Listen, I know it's a little warm in here because it's Memphis, y'all, right? I said the y'all thing. I'm from New York. I say you know or guys. Um, it's Memphis. So the air is on. It's cranking. It's like the little train that could. It's cranking. It's doing its best. Um, so just don't breathe on your neighbor today. Uh, I hope you got some cold brew when you walked in. Um, you're welcome. That was it's God. It's all God. It's all God. <laughs> um, listen, before we get into our, our speaker today, um, just a couple things about our church, just a couple quick things. Listen, family, if you're not new here or if you're visiting or if you're like, I'm looking for a home church, this is the church to be at, okay? And I know there's a lot of churches who say the same thing, and maybe that's the church God called you to, but you're here right now, so I'm going to say it. Um, and before you walk out, on that table, there are connect cards. We want to connect with you. If you don't have a home church, we want to connect with you. And you're like, well, what does that look like? That looks like a meal. If you look, read the Bible, Jesus ate his way through the Bible. All right? He's always having a meal with someone. And so like Christ, that's very Christ-like to eat with people. I'm, I'm just saying. It's Christ-like. It's not gluttony. Um, <laughs> we, we like to have a meal. We like to meet with you, have coffee with you, and see if this is the church for you. And if not... Uh, I've been in Memphis for about 11 years. It's just like, let's get you planted somewhere. Amen? We're not trying to build an empire. We're trying to build the kingdom. That's what's important to us. It's, oh, amen. I got to clap on that. It's not about an empire. Like, we're not looking to be like, oh, Pioneer Church Worldwide Incorporated. No, no, no. It's just we want, we want you to be planted and growing in the kingdom. Um, so that's really, really important to us. Um, I'll have some announcements after Cody's done. So don't please try your best not to leave too early because we got a, a lot of cool things coming up. Our anniversary is coming up in September. Um, so we're just super excited. We're going on four years. Just God's faithfulness, y'all. Um, before he, um, Cody comes up, some of you guys know him. Some of you guys love him. Some of you guys are just here because you're, uh, you're just all over him. Uh, Cody's just been such a blessing to this ministry of Pioneer Church, all in all. Like, he's just been a blessing, who he is as a person, hearing his testimony, what he's come through, his transparency, through all of that, he's just been a blessing to me, um, but he's also been a blessing to this church. As much as I love Cody, and I, I love Cody, we all know that it's never about the person holding the mic, right? We know it's not about the person holding the mic. It's all about the spirit in the person Right. And so it's the same thing in you. So as Cody comes up here and shares his heart, could you guys just give him a warm welcome? There you go. Don't let Cody fool you. OK, Cody's going to come up here and he's going to sound all meek and mild. And then he's going to bring that hot fire that we weren't <laughs> expecting. So I love what, you, man. Let me ask you, Pastor Jeremy, what would make you think I was going to stand up here and be making my Oh. <laughs> I might, you might be turning my mic no, down in, I've in seen, like five I mean, minutes. Listen, I've seen Cody come in here and just be like, what do you need me to do? And I'm like, uh, that. And he's just like, it's done. I'm like, all right. Love you, bro. Yeah, thank you for this opportunity, Pastor Jeremy. I hope you all noticed that on my way up, I changed the fan direct 
direction directly on my parents because they're here, and I try not to show favor, but I love these two people more than anybody else in the world. So let me pray uh, so that I can center myself, and hopefully you can do the same. Dear God, we come to you today, and we, I thank you for this opportunity to be in your house with a, a group of fellow believers who all woke up this morning and decided that they were going to pursue a time with you today. That's why we're here, is because we want to see you, we want to meet you, we want to understand something today that we didn't understand yesterday, we want to leave this building different than we came in, because we have so many problems we have so many broken parts in our heart and in our life and in our mind, but we have the one thing that makes us divine. We have your spirit inside of us, and I thank you for that, and I ask that you would speak through me loud and clear and plainly, and that I can say only what you would have me say. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so to begin, I want to take a moment and talk about a thing that I discovered the other day. I say I discovered it. I stumbled upon it, and it meant something to me, so I want to share it. Because I'm very often, I'm, I'm telling God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for your character. And then I have to ask, but who are you? What, what is it about you that makes you holy? What is it about you that, that makes you divine? And what is it about you that is so important to me? And I'm reading through the Old Testament, and I came across this verse. It's Exodus 34, 6, and it says, The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Now, when I read that, I thought, that sounds very familiar. I've heard that before, and I don't think I ever read it in Exodus because just a slight confession the Old Testament is brand new to me. And so I've been discovering these things that have been hidden in these old books because I've just focused on Jesus and what he says, which is important. But a lot of what Jesus says is coming from the Old Testament. So why not get into that too? And so I looked it up, and it's in the Bible over 20 times, that specific quote. David uses it all the time. Paul quotes it later. And it's because God is giving us this very insightful glimpse into who he is and how he sees us and how he's willing to handle us. And I don't know if any of you are like me, but I need a God who is full of compassion and mercy and who's very slow to get angry with me, get angry with me because I am so stubborn. I'm so stubborn with the people that I live with, with the people who know me best, and I'm certainly stubborn with the God who created me. But you know what? He knew I was going to be like that. And you know what? I think there are times that he appreciates the willingness that we have to wrestle with him. Now, willingness to wrestle is not the title of the sermon today, although it would make a pretty good one. But I started thinking about how Israel and Jacob gets his name changed to Israel and the name Israel literally means one who wrestles with God. So God's calling his chosen people, these people that he, he tells he's going to fill the earth with, he's calling them people who are willing to wrestle with him. And so let me encourage you, when you find yourself in a place where it feels like you're struggling, where you're fighting with God, that's better than not doing anything. 
And God can use that because somebody who's fighting him at least is saying, I care about this. If you're wrestling with God, you care about what he has for you. And you might not always agree with it, and you certainly are not always going to understand it, but that doesn't mean not to do it. So, the title of today's sermon is, and get ready, Pastor Jeremy really pulled a doozy on us with this one. I'm actually even going to have to read it. It is what it is, but it is, but what it is, is not always what it looks like. Now, I'm from the town that Jeremy hates on all the time, Nashville, or Nashville-ish. And so, let, he, God bless him, he's from New York, and he thinks things like this are okay. Let me make it a little easier for probably everybody in the room. It is what it is, but what it is ain't always what it looks like. <laughs> Took those three words, confusing, and, t- and turned them into one that we all love to say. So, thank you for everybody who's here, seriously. Thank you for, if, if you're here. Thank you if you're online. I've got a lot of church family from back home who are watching this, and I want to say I appreciate it. I got a lot of family. Uh, Chastity, I love you, sis. Thank you for all you guys' support, all you guys who are here today uh, to support me. Uh, I really appreciate it. For those of you who come to this church because you love to hear Pastor Jeremy preach, I apologize because this is now two weeks in a row that you've got a white guy in glasses. So, um, also, and, and uh, he, he told me, he said, this is the season of, of the sneaker, the preacher and sneakers. And, you know, you and Jeff, y'all are both, I look up to both of you, and y'all both feel the same way about that. I, the best I can do is some scuffed up white vans. Uh, so I hope you love and accept me anyway. And if you want to do something about that, my Venmo is dollar sign. Okay. I'm not sorry, actually. I'm not sorry that I'm up here uh, because I know there, there are a handful of times in my life where I've known for sure that I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. And this is one of those times. Um, I know this is where I'm supposed to be. And it's because God told me. God told me, and he's told me over and over and over again over the course of my life, and I eventually, in this last season of my life, got to a point where I said, okay, okay, God, I will, I'll speak. And he said, no, I need you to preach. I said, okay, all right, I'll teach. He said, no, I need you to preach. I said, okay, God, I'll share what's on my heart. He said, I need you to preach. And then he, then, ironically enough, last month when I was on a mission trip, he stopped telling me and he started showing me. God gave me a vision that I could see that hadn't happened yet, but I knew it was possible if I decided to pursue what I believed he had for my life. And this is that. And so here I am. But do not get it twisted and think that it's been a simple path to the place that I stand today. The first time, the initial calling when I recognized it on my life was almost 20 years ago. And And God told me then that he wanted me to preach. He wanted me to share his gospel. Now, let me kind of make something clear for all of you in the room. If you are a believer of Christ, if you're a follower of Christ, you are also called to share the gospel. That's part of what you do. Now, not everybody is supposed to get up here and do this that I'm doing right now. But we all have callings and we all have giftings that one way or another result in 
as we follow Christ, people fall right in line with us. So whatever that is for your life, accept that because you can't pretend like you follow Jesus and then not tell other people about him. You tell people about everything else that you find interesting. Movies and restaurants and music, we're so, we're so quick to share that. But how often do we share this, what we believe, somebody came to earth and died so that we could be free of our sin and free of death? I was probably 15, maybe 16 years old, and I was in uh, the church that I grew up in. And, and God put it on my heart on that Sunday morning. I can still see where I was sitting, what I was looking at, who was beside me. And he said, I want you to preach. And that was the first real next-level spiritual encounter that I'd had with God. It was the first time that I ever thought I heard him talking to me. And so within the same year, probably the same season, if it was spring, this was probably still spring, I was diagnosed with cancer. And what had been a very comfortable, privileged, sheltered, safe life, all of a sudden got thrown into a whirlwind. And I no longer thought that life was going to be easy. I no longer thought that uh, everything was just going to magically work out for me like it had up to that point. And I was very, very angry with this God who supposedly loved me and who had supposedly put a call on my life and asked me to go do something for him. And then, within the same paragraph, allows me to get diagnosed with something that could very well kill me. So it, I tell people all the time, there hasn't been a moment in my life where I haven't believed in God I've just spent a lot of my time very angry with him, very, very upset that he would let me go through this thing. So he heals me. I go through the next two, maybe even close to three years in some type of treatment for this cancer, and then it just goes away. It just goes away. Uh, I'm a cancer survivor, <laughs> praise God. But that's not what I did. I did not decide to praise God because of what he'd done in my life. I was still very upset. I was still very angry. I wanted to lash out, and I knew I could not reach God. I could not touch God. I could not hurt God. So the next best thing I could think to do was hurt the thing he created, which was me. And so I spent well over the next decade in drug addiction, in and out of jail. And so I'm, I'm like, I was like the professional rehab hopper. I could go to all these different places and know exactly what to tell them to make them think that I was doing fine and then I would be high before I left the parking lot because nothing really changed. And then in the fall of 2018, uh, my heart stopped beating, literally. Uh, I had spent a long time not caring about what I put into my body, not taking care of myself, not really caring about anything other than just trying to make myself feel better for that moment. And so you can only do that for so long. Uh, and so that was quite the ordeal. Nobody expected me to make it. Uh, the doctors told my mother, your son is the sickest person in this hospital, and what we're doing, it's really, we're just hoping for the best. Um, and that's what happened. God saved me again. God saved me again, and unlike the first time where... I had this circumstance in my life. I get diagnosed with cancer, and it throws me off course. I looked at that circumstance 
and I called it a curse when I could have called it a blessing. So that's what it was. That's what it manifested in my life was a curse because that's what I decided to name it. The next go-round, my next experience with death, however, I opened myself up just enough. I cracked the door for God to come in just enough that he came into my life and he showed me, Cody, you don't have to call this a curse. This doesn't have to be a curse on your life. If you so choose, it can be a blessing. And I stand here today and I tell you that had it not been for what killed me, I would not be here. As a matter of fact, prior to this season of my life, the only reason I would have ever thought this many people would have been in the room with me at the same time was for my funeral. And then God allowed me to do something different with this tragedy that happened he got my attention, and I came here. I came here, and God used this program of Adult and Teen Challenge to change and to reorganize and to fix my, fix my focus and my perspective in so many different ways that it's now allowed him to use me. And let me take this opportunity for all the guys who are in the room right now, who are in that program right now, and let me tell you, thank you. Let me tell you that I'm proud of you, and let me tell you that the fact that your butt is in this seat today means you're still fighting. And the fact that you're still fighting... The fact that you're still fighting means God still has you. God still has you, and he wants to use you, and the only way that doesn't happen is if you give up. So don't give up. Okay, so let's talk about the story. Two weeks ago, Pastor Jeremy started uh, telling us the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. And this story spans a tremendous part of the book of Genesis. It gets more time, more pages than any other story, and so it must be pretty important. And it's a very uh, long, and, and there's many um, details that get weaved in and out of this, and it just reminds me how fantastic uh, storyteller that God is, um, and that is what he uses very often to draw me towards him. The moment that my life started to change, really, the moment I started to understand even just a little bit of who Jesus was, really, is when I started to find myself in this. When I started to see this no longer as just an old collection of stories about characters who are displaced from my reality, and yeah, they can teach me some morals and some lessons. No, this word is alive, and we're part of it. You as believers, you as part of the church, are part of this story. And so when I stumbled upon the story about the, the friends lowering their paralytic friend through the roof so that Jesus could heal them, and he couldn't get to him himself. This guy couldn't have gotten to Jesus. That was part of his affliction. And it took the faith of his friends and his family. I saw me there. I'm flat on my back, two weeks into a coma on life support. I can't cry out to God. So it was my family, and it was my friends, and it was the people who cared about me who were doing that for me. And I saw myself there. I saw myself when Jesus 
stop. He, he just walks up on a funeral, and it's a lady who's lost her only son, and he puts his hand on the casket, and he tells her, don't be sad. And he tells the boy to get up. And he raises him from the dead right there. He didn't just die. He's in a casket on the way to be buried. I saw myself there. And God started to use those things to really change my perspective on who he was and who I am. So, let me begin with a very tough question. Because as I read the story of Joseph, and I see how his brothers betrayed him, his brothers set him out to be first murdered, then kidnapped and sold into slavery um, because they were jealous of the vision that God had put in his life and in his mind. And we all, bless our hearts, we all want to be Joseph. We all want to, when we do what I'm talking about and align ourselves with this word, we all want to say, I'm Joseph, that's me. I get the visions, I get the dreams, God's going to use everything for my good. But are we ever the brothers? Are we ever the brothers in this story? Do we ever get to a place where somebody else's calling and somebody else's vision makes us think we're less than? Makes us look at them and want to tear down what God has put on their heart or in their life because we think we deserve it more. Look, I'm just trying to be honest because that's me. I, I see that all the time. I see people that have things that I don't have, can do things I can't do, or places that I'm not, and I think... Why them? Why, why I, could, I could undo that for them and then be where they are. Are we ever the brothers? Ask yourself that. And here's why that's important. Because the brothers unknowingly were trying to kill the favor that God had on their life. Joseph, as we'll find out, and as you probably already know, was the favor that God had on all of the other brothers because it circled back around and he saved their lives. And before the story ever really got started, the brothers are trying to kill the favor that God had on their life. And so before you go start tearing somebody else's vision or calling or dream down, remember, it might be for your benefit too. So here, here's where we're at in the story. And this story is filled with so much, so many details that we do not have the time to talk about. There's a, there's a baker who gets put to death gets impaled because he doesn't bake well enough. Imagine being that guy and you burn a cake and Pharaoh puts your head on a pole. And then we got dreams uh, of skinny cows eating fat cows. And I know that had I been given that dream or had somebody told me and asked me to interpret it, I certainly would have come up with much crazier stuff than a famine. So there's a lot that's happened. Uh, as, I, as I said earlier, Joseph, um, he gets this vision. And he gets this very important vision. And this is God's favor in his life. He's already favored by his father. And Joseph tells the people about it. He tells his brothers, and they turn on him. And so they put him, they put him in, a, in a big cistern. He gets picked up. Um, he gets traded. And he winds up in Egypt. And the first place he winds up is in Potiphar's house. Um, he's in Potiphar's house until the wife of Potiphar makes moves on him and he rejects her and then uh, steals his cloak and he goes to prison. And then he's in prison until he interprets the dreams of the baker and the, uh, the, baker and the, wine, the, the cup bearer. 
And then he interprets them, and later on, Pharaoh has some crazy dreams, and the, the cupbearer reminds him, hey, there's this guy in prison that I was supposed to remember and I forgot about, and he can interpret that for you. And so he takes off his prison garb, and he shaves, and let me point out right there that every time Joseph got closer to the calling and to the vision that God put on his life, the things that man and the things that the world put on him had to be shed first. The father's robe had to come off when he started the journey. And then his cloak as Potiphar's assistant had to come off when he goes in prison. And then the things he's wearing in prison and the way he looks has to come off when he gets in Pharaoh's house. So when you start losing things in your life, things that are important to you, equal to clothes that you might be wearing, these are important things, and you start to lose them, don't see that as loss. See that as you shedding and things being pruned of you that the world put on you that were never supposed to be there. Because before God can use you the way he really wants to use you, he's got to get you in the shape that he needs you. And that often looks like things coming, being peeled off of us that we're so accustomed to and we're so comfortable with. But take heart, because it's all part of God's plan. Okay. I want to tell you how the story ends. And then I'm going to tell you why I think it ended that way. The story ends in chapter 50, and it's the famous verse where if you know anything about the story of Joseph, you've heard this. It's the one a lot of people like to take out and apply to a lot of different situations because it's very hopeful and it's very po uh, positive. Joseph is telling his brothers at the end of the story, he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So, we're going to walk through, I'm going to give you three uh, points that, um, if you're mathematically brained, you'll probably see as A plus B equals C. If you're scientifically brained, you'll probably see me trying to prove my hypothesis. If you're uh, right-brained like me and you see everything artfully, then good luck to you, seriously. Um, <laughs> so, point one, and write this down if you're taking notes. God's vision will shake things up. God's vision will shake things up. Imagine if Joseph never shared the dream that God gave him. Imagine if, as that 17-year-old boy, God gives him this vision of the stalks of wheat bowing down to his stalk of wheat and he just kept his mouth shut. Which, let's be honest, if he had one working brain cell in his head, he would have looked around, at, he would have read the room and said, okay, my brothers don't really like me anyway because my father loves me so much. He's making me special outfits that I can wear and they can't. And now I'm going to go to them and tell them, come on, use your brain. But it was in that, it was in his confession of this vision that started, it was the catalyst. It flipped over the very first domino. And it had to happen because God had to shake things up for Joseph. At the end of the story, when Joseph is using all this wisdom, and he's using all this knowledge, and he's using all these people skills, and his ability to just keep pushing and to survive and to persevere, he would have never gotten that 
if he stayed as the most favored, privileged son in a well-to-do family. We're talking about Jacob's family. Jacob wasn't poor. Jacob wasn't lacking. These guys had, that's what they were doing. They were tending the, the livestock. They All this land had Joseph stayed in that house as the kid brother when everything was served on a silver platter to him. He would have never been equipped to do what God needed him to do later. We're not just talking about Joseph. We're talking about us. This is us. This is our life. And imagine what we would be capable of if every time we fell under attack, if every time our life felt like chaos, if every time we felt like something that we hold dear and that keeps us comfortable, every time those got taken away from us, if we saw that as a setup for an elevation, if we saw that as simply God using something, circumstance, or situation, because he's getting ready to promote our station in life. How different would we live? How different would we pray? How different would we love other people if we saw that every time things got hard, that was good news? But it is, because God uses all things. All things, if you're called, and you're in this room, you're called to his purpose, and you love who he is, which is, that's the hard part. That's the part that we all have to work on every day. But if those two things you can genuinely say are true for your life, then every hard thing you go through is really God just preparing you for something he needs you to do. Okay. So why? Why does he need us to do that? Why does he need us to get better? Why can't he just leave us being comfortable? Why can't he just leave us in these nice little seasons that we construct for ourselves sometimes when everything's just going smoothly? Because, point two, God's vision makes you a blessing. God's vision makes you a blessing. Now let me get honest with you for a second about Cody, because this is something now that I'm still working on. A season of my life right now, a struggle that I'm having is what kind of blessing am I really to the people who love me the most, to the people who are closest to me? What kind of impression do I leave after just a normal encounter with me and somebody walks away? How do they feel? Do they feel more loved? Do they feel like God has used somebody to bless their life? Do they feel like I care about them? Because if the answer to any of those is no, it's my responsibility to do something to change that. I have to be a blessing if I'm going to call myself a Christian and I'm going to say I'm following Jesus. I don't know any situation where I would leave somebody worse than I found them. But how often does that actually happen in my life? God's vision should help me love other people, and they should be more aware of my love for them. The brothers saw, they all saw the vision. They had the wrong perspective on the vision because they saw themselves worshiping, bowing down to Joseph. But if any of you guys have been a part of this journey, for any amount of time, you know that God's kingdom 
is an upside-down kingdom. And the way that man constructs things and the way that we organize people and stations and responsibility is not the same way that God does it. As a matter of fact, Jesus, you know, and sometimes Jesus says things that are a little murky, that, that can be open to interpretation and we can argue about them, but he very often is just painfully clear. In Mark 9, he sits down with the 12 disciples and he said, anyone who wants to be first must be last and must be the servant of others. So the brothers, and probably even Joseph and the father, Jacob, they saw this vision as them worshiping and bowing down and being ruled over by Joseph. And that's not inaccurate, but it's not the whole truth. And it's not the most important part of the truth. Because what his vision was really indicating was he was going to have the opportunity to serve his brothers. He was going to have the opportunity to do something profound and life-changing and in the grand scheme of things, keep this whole story on track. Keep the prophecy and the things that God said he was going to do with the nation of Israel and the things that he had told the patriarchs of this dynasty. Joseph kept all that alive, but it was in service to his brothers. There's a very powerful moment towards the end of this story when the brothers, before they know that it's Joseph, they come to Egypt and they ask him to supply them with food and they ask them to gr for grain to keep them alive. And Joseph brings them into his palace and he sets them down at the table. He even sets them in the order of the age, even though he hasn't told them yet who he is. And it says that he sat at a different table and the servants of the house came and they served Joseph and the other people at the table. And then Joseph gets up. And Joseph, with his own hands, serves the meal to his brothers. That's the fulfillment of the vision. The fulfillment of the vision is not just that he gives them grain because he's in a place of power and they're in a place of need. That's true. But the real truth, the kingdom truth, the truth that Jesus is talking about if you want to be first, if you want to be that guy in power, second only to Pharaoh, guess what you got to do? you got to be willing to serve the very people that you rule over. And he did that. He saw that. He walked that out. That's why Joseph is a version of Christ. It also reminds us that you have to be careful who you share your vision with. You don't want just any random commentary on the thing that God has put in your heart. That's your treasure. That's where it's at. And if you just start throwing that out to the birds and out to anybody that will listen and they start giving you feedback that is inaccurate or is negative or is going to discourage you, it's going gonna, it's gonna to pollute what's up here and what's in here. You've got to be careful. You, when God gives you something, you, okay, who do I share this with? Who do, I, who do I confirm this with? Who do I ask or who do I ask for guidance? Who do I allow in onto this vision before I actually start walking it out. Because when you start walking it out, it doesn't matter who knows. But there's that season there where you feel like God's put something special in your heart for your life where you've got to determine what's the next step. There's only a handful of people that should give you advice on that next step. You've got to be careful who you share your vision with. Because we're human. You know what I'm saying? We're human, and I will often think and speak from a place of Cody 
before I allow God to control what comes out of my mouth. I know that's true. You know that's true for you too. And we very often feel less than other people. We very often take offense when people think they can do things that we don't think we can do. And so we got to be careful who we open that up to. Now, there's a great place that you can start practicing what I'm talking about today. Where you can start practicing what it looks like to be a blessing to other people. And that's right here in this church. Or that's right in the seats of the church that you go to. Just because, and you know what, it's one of the things that sold me on this being my church is because the first Sunday I came here, I saw Pastor Jeremy hanging up these banners. I saw him putting the signs out in the parking lot. I saw him running around doing all this stuff, and I thought, I want to follow a pastor who's willing to do the grunt work. But just because Pastor Jeremy is willing to do the grunt work doesn't mean he should have to. Just because Pastor Jeremy is willing to do the grunt work doesn't mean he should have to. These are the things that we should want to do. It doesn't matter what your station in life is. If you think you're too qualified to do the basic stuff, in God's kingdom, you're too basic to do the qualified stuff. You've got to be willing to clean the floors, to do the hard work. Sometimes we come here and we just want to get served. Sometimes we treat church like it's a Burger King drive through And if we don't get served exactly what would meet our tastes, we're not going to be a customer of that anymore. You're not a customer of your church. You're not a customer to the body of Christ. You are a servant. And you're not always going to like... If you're in a church where you like everything that everybody says, you're in the wrong church. If you're just coming here to get co-signed on everything you already believe, then you think you're perfect. I need to be offended sometimes. I need to get convicted. I told Pastor Jeremy about a month ago, I was so mad at him after a sermon. I was. I was like, man, why? I need that, though. That's what grows us. So why? Why do we need to be a blessing to others? Point three, and this is the message. This is the sermon. Because God's vision will always exclusively, 100% of the time, make you look like Jesus. God's vision will always make you look like Jesus. And our story here bears that out. Joseph had such an opportunity. There are so many ways that he could have made his brothers pay for what they'd done to him. But God uses this story. God uses Joseph to take very dirty, painful things like violence and betrayal, hunger, people in need, unrighteousness, and he unravels all of those things. He unravels all of those things. And out of the violence and the betrayal, we see the forgiveness. And that... Is a gener that's not a generational curse, that's a generational blessing. Because Jacob's life was spared, was saved, he was shown forgiveness by his brother Esau. And the way that Jacob approaches Esau back in the day, and the feelings and the mood and the posture he had towards him, is an exact replica 
of the way that his sons approached Joseph. When they found out his identity, here's what they said. This is Genesis 45. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. God does that with us. I approach God, and I know the bad things I've done, and I know how broken I am, and I'm terrified of his presence because I don't think I'm good enough. And he just says, come close. I've got something to tell you. Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now, do not be distressed, and do not be angry with yourself for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. That's another thing God's vision will do. It'll let you look back at your past hurts. It'll let you see people that did you wrong. And it'll let you see when life was unfair or people were unfair. And it will allow you to forgive them. It will allow you to see things from the perspective of the other side of God's plan. Because you know, that was just, yeah, they could have done differently. But I needed to go through that. I needed something in my life to be changed. And God used them. God allowed them to... Uh, do me wrong, but it's okay. Because Joseph said, it's okay. Look at how many lives I've saved. Look at how I've been able to be a part of God's plan. I saved your lives because of what you did to me. It allows for that forgiveness. And that's our opportunity. That's our choice to call it what we want it to be. I mentioned a little bit earlier about my own story and how I've had these two opposing perspectives on things that I've gone through. The cancer was a curse. I treated it like one. I treated myself like I was cursed. The heart attack was a blessing. That's what it manifested into in my life because God gives us that choice. It's in the Bible, Deuteronomy 30, 19. Moses is talking to the Israelites and he says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. I place before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your children may live. It's our choice what we decide to call the things that we go through in our life. Is this something that I'm going to allow to bless me, even though it sucks? Or is this something that I'm going to take on and put on my back as a curse? And guess what? That's how it's going to treat me. That's how it's going to treat me until I decide to see it differently. Genesis 50. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. God's vision, if we choose, and look, there's a lot of people in this room, and I'm certain that some of you think we're talking about vision and this, this example that we have is a very supernatural one of God giving him a dream that was very clear and he pursued it for the rest of your life. And some of you are saying, I've never had that. I've never had God just paint a picture in my dreams and give me something very specific and very direct that's supposed to happen in my life. But he's told you something. He's shown you something He's given you a gift or he's given, you, he's, he's given you the capacity in some way to have a positive effect on the people around you. And that is the opportunity that we have to be Christ-like. That is the opportunity that we have 
to do something different with our lives than we've been doing, but we've got to hold on to that vision. We've got to not let it go. It's like the, it's like the briefcases that you'll see people handcuffed to their wrists. Joseph had this vision in his life, and he just refused to let it go. It didn't matter. He never talked about it again. If you'll notice in the story, God, God did this great favor where Joseph never again had to repeat to anybody about people bowing down to him. The vision, start, the vision started coming to him. The baker and the cupbearer and then Pharaoh, they came to him with visions, and that's what God will do to you. God will serve up the opportunities in your life for you to serve him and for you to walk out your vision, but you've got to be focused on it. The first thing in, in, in that is accepting that it's for you. You might think you're too young for this, you might think you're too old for this. You might think you're too broken for this. But let me encourage you to pick this up and quickly find out that you're none of those things. Jacob, the patriarch of this story, he had a vision right before he died. And God said, I want you to go to Egypt and find your son Joseph. Now when you get there, you're going to die. That's the bad news. But the good news is, your son, Joseph, the one that you've been pursuing your whole life thinking that he's gone, he's going to be there to close your eyes. You're not too old for this. You're not too young for this. You're not too broken for this. The only thing God needs from you is willingness. That's it. You start there, and God will take over, and before you know it, you're living a different life than you ever have, and it's because you're pursuing something you didn't know you had. Thank you guys for your attention today. I'm going to... Um, Yeah, so let me pray, and then I will turn this back over to Pastor Jeremy and Julia. Dear God, thank you for this opportunity that you've given me today to stand here and share exactly what I believe you wanted me to say. I thank you for that. I thank you for all the ears and the hearts and the eyes in the room, and I pray that each person heard something today that will allow them to walk out the door differently than they walked in it. I pray that you anoint the remainder of this service, and that above all, people respond to what they've heard. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Can we just give Cody a round of applause just for allowing the Spirit to use him and the capacity in which to use him. And I received some. That was great. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Um, well, that's it. He did his part. Now it's time for you to do your part. No, I'm not going to ask you for money. I think God's been asking for your heart this entire time. See, that's the thing about it is what it is, but what it is is not necessarily what it looks like. Some of you guys are here today thinking, oh, I just came to support Cody. Uh-uh. Some of you guys just came in not knowing what was going to go on. But I believe that as you're in this room right now, you feel the Holy Spirit saying, come on. Come on, you know he was talking to you. 
You know he was talking to you, and it wasn't him. I just used him, but come on, I'm calling you. That little tug that you feel in your heart, whatever, the butterflies you feel in your gut, it's not a gut feeling. It's the Holy Spirit just nudging you and saying, just give me your, give me your heart today. Just come on, give me your heart today. When you give me your heart, I, I promise you, I'm going to change everything. And you're like, I don't know, I'm a little broken, I'm a little messy. I know, but I can change that if you let me. If you allow me into your life, I can change everything. I can change your insecurities. I can change your depression. I can change your anxiety. I can change where you're at in life. If you just let me. Guys, I want you to understand before you leave today that Jesus, his goal wasn't just to die on the cross. And we're taught that in church. Dying was his reason for living. Dying. No, Jesus' main goal, his number one goal, wasn't death. It was life through the Spirit. His main goal, see, his death was just a means to the end. He says, I I need to get this Spirit that was in Adam, that I took away in the garden. I need to get it back into man. I need to get it back into you because you're going to do greater. And when I get it back into you, you're going to preach. You're going to survive cancer. You're going to survive heart attacks because what's in you and what I have for you is greater than what the world has. Oh, man. And so today, today's your day. Today's the day where you surrender. You just say, you know what, Holy Spirit? I've been playing Christian too long. I want to be full of your spirit. I want to do everything that you've called me to do. I want to walk in your purpose for me. And Lord God, I I know the world is trying to take my life. You have to understand, there's a hit out on you. There's a hit out on your life. And all of hell is trying to snuff you out. Because the greatest fear isn't from, from the enemy. The greatest fear isn't that you sat in a church on Sunday. The greatest fear of all of hell is that you find out the purpose for your life. Because once you find out the purpose, you can't be stopped. Once the Holy Spirit says, gives, starts filling you with vision and favor, oh, All of hell is shaking now because the lives and the souls that they thought were getting at the end of their life, oh, no, they stood in the gap. Oh, oh, no, they they intervened. I didn't didn't plan for them. See, because, y'all, we blame the enemy on too much. We give the enemy too much much wins. He's like, oh, no, 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 I didn't plan for them to give their life to Jesus. I didn't plan for them for the Holy Spirit to do something. I didn't plan for them to be sitting at Pioneer Church at 1156 on a Sunday in the heat. I didn't plan for that. I didn't plan that their testimony now is going to start changing the lives of those around them. I didn't plan that their life now would now bring life to their mother, their father, their brothers, the sisters, the people who counted them out. See, I all of hell planned for death. And Jesus is like, oh, man, I plan for life and life more abundantly. Guys, I, I don't want you to walk out of here the same. And I know I can't force you to twist your arm. Well, maybe I could. But, no, I can't force you to twist your arm. But my heart is that all you guys walk out and saying, I don't know what happened in there. But this brokenness in me, this emptiness in me. Something is putting it back together where I'm no longer broken, but I'm whole. This insecurity that I've been struggling with, 
for some reason, when I said yes, it started pulling it away. And that's not by you. So it's your turn. How are you going to respond? Do we walk out the same and deal with the same things and go to the happy hours? That's why they call it a happy hour because for one hour you get to inebriate yourself enough to feel numb to the sin of this world and the pain of this world. For one hour. Or do you go, God, I don't want happiness. I want joy everlasting because joy is deeper. Joy is more fulfilling. I want joy. If everyone can stand with me and every head bowed and those who are watching online or those who are streaming, this, this is the same question for you because I don't care if we're separated by distance. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ that went out today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in this room, as you're in this room and you're saying, Pastor, I'm, I'm sitting here and there's something in me that's just like, it's, it feels like a flutter, like I don't know what it is. I can't identify it. I've felt this way before, but not this deep. And, and everything that Cody spoke about today, I want that. I want God to save me. I want God to put favor on my life. And I know he's going to change things. But I, the way I've been doing it so far has been broken. And, and I just want joy, peace, and favor. With every head bow and every eye closed, because you raise your hand. Say, Pastor, I want a new life in Christ. I see you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Keep your hand raised. I'm going to pray for you right now. Jesus, by the very name that is above every other name, Lord God, every person with their hand raised have, has dedicated their heart to you, saying, I no longer want what I was. I want to be made new in you. Lord God, I pray for each and every one of them, Lord God, that your spirit fall afresh on them. Lord God, I pray that they're not okay with the okay, Lord God, but that you created something new in them. And we just thank you for your death and resurrection, Lord God, that the old is gone. The old is gone and the new has come because your life, your death brought life in us. And so we thank you for each and every person who raised their hand in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. I ain't done yet. Don't, don't, don't look at the door. I ain't done yet. I want to pray for the believers in the room. I want to pray for you too. Well, as Cody preached up here, he challenged something in you. And you know how you know it's a challenge? Because when he said it, the Holy Spirit was like, huh? And you're like, ah, I want to ignore it. I just want to push it away. I wish he didn't say that. Anyone else read the Bible and be like, I wish that wasn't in there. Why do I have to love my enemy? But when the word goes forth, the spirit that's in you has to respond. It has to. And guess what? The more you ignore it, the less you hear him. Right? Anyone ever pray and be like, I just feel like the Holy Spirit's not hearing me. It's just like, yeah, well, you ignored him, remember? He's a gentleman. If you keep on ignoring him, he's going to be like, hey, okay. You, don't wanna, you only want to hear me when it's beneficial for you. No, the Holy Spirit wants to challenge you, brothers and sisters in Christ. We can't stay the same. We can't. The world is tired of it. They're looking for people who are full of the Spirit, who are saying, hey, I don't care what your lifestyle is. I don't care what your political affiliation is. I don't care what you're dressed like. I don't care how much money is in, is in your bank account. I love you for you, and it's the love of Christ in me that allows me to love you. 
So if everyone could raise their hand, we're going to pray for every believer in the room. And that's even you new believers in here. Father, we just thank you that we're able to meet as a family, as a community of believers. Lord God, we don't want to walk out of here the same, but we want to walk out of here with favor. We're going to walk out of here full of the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing that what we once were isn't who we are anymore. Lord God, I pray I'm going to put all of hell on blast. We ain't going to be the same. You're going to see a whole new people. All the people that you thought were destined for death and separation, we now have life in Christ, and we are the sharers of that life in Christ. So, Lord God, for everyone in this room with their hand raised, fill them up until they overflow. Let them overflow with your spirit, Lord God. Let them overflow with your love. Let them overflow with your joy. Let them share the gospel of Jesus, that they were once dead in their sins, but now they are alive in Christ, Lord God. That the word wasn't preached with eloquence, Lord God, but it was preached with power. So, Lord God, I pray for every believer in here that they share the gospel in power. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Um, listen, guys, I just want to, you guys may be seated. I just want to thank all of you guys for being here. There's a couple announcements I want to make um, before we leave. Listen, we are, I'm so thankful for Cody. I'm thankful for him wanting to share. I, I love to take a break on Sundays, honestly. Like, it was so great to sit back there, and I'm, like, watching people. I'm like, oh, this is what it feels like, you know? No, it's wonderful. Um, before you guys leave, Jerry, um, he has connect cards and some pens. So if this is not your home church or you don't have a church and you're looking for a church and you've been praying for a church and you're like, God, I've been praying for a spirit-filled church, this is that answer to prayer. <laughs> Surprise. Right? Some of you guys are like, I don't know. I got to do 15 other churches. Nah, God was like, you're here on purpose for a purpose. Come on now. And so if, you, if anyone who has never connected with us, could you raise your hands? There you go. There you go. Jerry's going to give you a connect card. And if you could drop it in. Yeah, keep your hands raised. Keep your hands raised. Um, you're going to drop it in those flower pots in the back. And you guys are probably like, why do you guys use flower pots? That looks kind of brokish. No, no, no. See, we just believe that wherever you plant a seed, life will grow. So we want to connect with you because that's you planting a seed. And you're like, what do you mean by planting a seed? You want to see, like, Jesus come through you? Plant the seed. Plant the seed. And so we want to connect with you. We want to get lunch or coffee with you and just see how we can pour into your life. That's one way to get connected. Another way is go to our website, pioneerchurch.com slash prayer. You want to know when prayer doesn't work? When you're not praying. Or you don't have your brothers and sisters. What did Jesus say? When two or three are gathered, I'm there because spirit bears witness to spirit. So go to our website. Let us pray with you. If not, if you're, technologi if you're technologically challenged and you're like, websites are weird and scary to me, we have index cards on that back table. You can fill out a prayer request and just drop it right in the flower, in the flower pot. Amen? Again, that whole thing of planting a seed. People just think, put stuff in there flippantly, and they don't understand, like, you are planting, a, you are literally doing the symbolic thing of planting a seed. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, the last way is uh, generosity. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. You want to you wanna show that money is not your boss? Give it away. We try to outgive God all the time. It's annoying. We always lose. Always lose. I, I remember there was like a couple weeks when I tried to outgive God, and I was like, all right, God, I'm going to give more than you give me. I lost. It's so annoying. I hate losing. 
but he always wins. And so we love a cheerful giver. Your generosity makes all this possible. Listen, we don't need any of your money. We don't need it. I'm not begging for your money. We have everything we need in Christ Jesus. We're just waiting for you to give it, okay? Everything we need is wrapped up in Christ. It's just whether you want to participate or not. Um, and then the last thing, and then we'll pray and get you guys out of here. Um, we have a lot going on over the next couple months at Pioneer Church. So many things I'm excited about. At the end of August, everyone say end of August. We're going to start our small groups. Amen. We call them homesteads here at Pioneers because Pioneers create homesteads. Oh, marketing. That's my wife, though. That's my wife. I can't even take credit for that. My wife is just too smooth with the names. Um, pioneers create homesteads, and so we have a homestead for married couples woo -woo, or couples, period. Amen. Um, led by Wayne and Lauren uh, Shepherd. We have a small group led by Cody, who just preached. The guy who just preached. He leads a men's small group. Uh, we have a women's small group led by Allie and my wife. Woo -woo, and it'll be at all that stuff is online. And then the last one is I'm, I'm doing a small group. Um, we're gonna, it's a small group on how to share the gospel. And I'm excited for that. I'm, ex I'm excited for all of them because, like, I don't have to lead all of them. But I realize in this day and age as believers, so anyone here gets a little nervous when they got to share the gospel, right? And you're like, oh, Jesus died and, like, drank blood. Oh, I didn't mean that. Like, that's weird. Oh, you know, you're a sheep. Ah, oh, sheep are stupid. Ah, oh. Uh, so we, <laughs> we just, we, we, get to, we get all this anxiety on sharing the gospel, and all it is is sharing your testimony and what God did in your life. And we want to break that down, and we want to be able to have, have you share, the, share your testimony and the gospel in about 10 minutes. You got 10 minutes? You got 15 minutes? I just want to share the gospel with you. That's it. We want to keep it plain and simple. We want to equip you to do what God saved you to do. How wild is that? Um, and then it's our anniversary in September. Woo! Four years. Yeah. 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 So excited about that. If you're interested about being a member, um, we're going to have sign up next week um, for our new membership class. They happen in August. It is one day, fam. We are not the church. It's like, you got to come back six times. No, it's not. We know life is different. Schedules are different. So it's one day. It's after church. We feed you. There you go. Amen. Hallelujah. Some of y'all are like, I'm signing up now. Um, we feed you. We go through where this church came from, how you can get involved, and what's your identity in the church. Real simple. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's pray. And then you, we are dismissed. And I can't wait to see you guys next week. Father, thank you for family. Thank you for this community. I know, I know, Lord God, that you just dwell in the midst of all of this. And so we just thank you. Father, we believe that in the name of Jesus that you're doing something great. And thank you for bringing Cody to share a word. We just believe right now that there's going to be a, a return on the seeds that were planted. Thank you for your favor on each of their lives. Lord God, thank you that your Holy Spirit is now dwelling in 10 people who gave their life to Jesus, who said, I don't want to live my old life anymore. I want all that Christ has for me. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Love you guys. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Pioneer Church Podcast. Let's go one step further. Subscribe and share this podcast with family and friends and see how this word changes their life. 
At Pioneer, we believe in journeying together. If you want to support this ministry, go to pioneerchurch.com give to continue to help us to reach people for Jesus. Thank you again for listening and God bless you.